welcome to episode 41 of Africa Past and Present, the podcast about African history, culture, and politics. From South Africa, I'm your host, Peter Allegi. Peter Lim is on leave in East Lansing. The subject of today's podcast is the 2010 World Cup in South Africa and its potential legacy on grassroots soccer in this country. It is my pleasure to have with me Tabo Tlatla, youth soccer coach of the Zikwe soccer program in Peter Maritzburg, as well as Kenneth Kontikubega, former National Professional Soccer League player and former Under-23 national team coach. He's currently a coaching educator. And finally, Zef Mtembu, also a former MPSL player and currently a youth coach. Well, thank you very much for uh, coming to uh, the campus and agreeing to talk with me about the World Cup in South Africa in 2010 and its broader social impact. Uh, Tabo, a question for you. What does the World Cup coming to South Africa mean for you as a former player and, and a youth coach? Yeah, it's a uh, World Cup coming to South Africa for me personally. <laughs> Looking at the number of years that uh, uh, remaining in one's life, you know, one is an old man now. So it means a, a lot because uh, we never thought that one day we'll ever have a tournament of this magnitude uh, in Africa. In fact, we started uh, watching the World Cup, the first World Cup that was uh, screened in South Africa, I think it was US in 94. So that was uh, immediately after South Africa had had uh, elections, democratic elections. So prior to that, uh, we only heard about uh, the World Cup through reading in the newspapers and listening to the radio. We never imagined in our wildest dreams that uh, we'll see the best players uh, strutting their stuff in our own stadiums in this country. Conti uh, Kuberga, 1994 very, very big year, obviously, in South African history with the first democratic elections. Uh, is the World Cup in 2010 of similar importance? Yeah, but this is very much, you know, uh, exciting. For the first time, I've never in be, uh, been in a World Cup tournament. And here it is, it's in South Africa, where I'll be seeing about 32 cultures of football in this tournament. And... Uh, at my age, I don't think I will have another opportunity to see it in Africa again. I'm 55 now, and surely in five, ten years' time I might die and I will never see it again. But this is a very good opportunity for us to learn and look at all the different cultures of football and try to keep something for South Africa for going forward and take our football into higher levels after the World Cup. Uh, Zef Mtembu, former African Wanderers uh, player and, and youth coach, uh, what does the World Cup uh, mean to you? The World Cup, 2010 World Cup means a lot to me as a former player and uh, I'm very happy that uh, the World Cup is coming to South Africa and the uh, World Cup is going to help us uh, socially, economically and politically. And uh, socially, and uh, we have already started this uh, legion's uh, structure. 
in uh, Peter Marisbeck, and uh, our guys are very happy, and uh, I'm sure they're going to gain a lot. So I think uh, World Cup is going to help us uh, a, a lot. And the world is certainly going to be looking at South Africa in a new way, I think, after this, this tournament. There are a lot of negative images about uh, South Africa, and I would say about the African continent as a whole. And uh, I think the world is going to look at uh, the continent as well as the country differently once the tournament is underway and once it's completed. The question then becomes, you know, what is the impact of the World Cup going to be? Uh, in South Africa. Zef was saying, you know, there are going to be some positive uh, legacies here. Uh, I'm particularly interested in how the World Cup is going to affect football in South Africa. Having studied the game and having played it and, and watched it uh, for, what, 17 years in this country, um, I'm interested in hearing from you. Uh, experts, local experts about this. And so maybe we can start with, with Tabo, uh, what is the impact of the World Cup going to be at the grassroots level? Uh, I am hoping, one can only hope, uh, although I must register a bit of a, a disappointment, so we got the right to host this World Cup uh, uh, many years back, and uh, we have not done much to put up structures because uh, World Cup is about what happens in the four lines in the field. So we have not put up structures for the kids to grow and to learn, you know. And uh, the government has uh, put up a lot of taxpayers' money and uh, not much has been done to skill our young people in this country, either as players themselves creating structures where can, they can learn the game as players, can learn the game as coaches, as referees, etc. So the focus has mainly been on the elite. So I'm just hoping that uh, the profits that uh, football will be making from this <coughs> really goes to the grassroots, not end up in the pockets of the few fat cats. If you had to point to, say, three or four things that would be really needed, if, if somebody from the local organizing committee approached you and said, here is X million rands for you, which three or four things would you immediately focus on? Number one, the facilities. Uh, I, I mean, uh, it's, uh, it's a reality that you have been showing the whole world uh, the Mapida Stadium, the Soccer City Stadiums, uh, where I stay in Mbali, kids have no place where they can kick the football around. And in most areas, there are no proper facilities for kids. Hence, most of them you find hanging around in the streets instead of uh, being involved in uh, sporting activities. The equipment, very, 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 very important. And... Uh, Highly qualified coaches. I mean, uh, it's a tragedy that uh, uh, kids who are so passionate about playing this game, uh, they spend some of their hours, many of their hours, with uh, volunteers who have not been trained, and uh, that time gets wasted. And uh, it's the waste of the children's time, and the time lost is the time that you'll never recover in your life, you know. And uh, thousands of gifted uh, players end up uh, in prisons. Most of our prisons in this country are full of uh, young people and I've worked uh, a lot with uh, young prisoners in, in prisons and uh, one of the boys 
was saying in Galagabusha that hey, he wrote me a letter in fact he said hey, if in South Africa they can have lots of training programs for young kids he doesn't think people like himself would have ended up in prison so that trained qualified and uh, the willingness to put proper structures is very very crucial Conti, I saw you taking notes there. Um, your perspective on this, on the grassroots game and the World Cup. What's yeah, the if, if you can see it, all the, the World Cups which went past, uh, you'll see, you'll discover that uh, teams who are always in the last eight are those countries who have hosted the World Cups. To me, it, uh, it indicates, it's an indication that after hosting this World Cup, it's going to us, leave us with big, big experiences because we shall have learned, the, we shall have established maybe the study groups, people who will be taking all the aspects of the technical aspects of all these nations will be playing here. And these study groups will have to compile very, very authentic reports which will be in the SAFA archives for the SAFA coaching education to pick up some most important aspects to put into the coaching education to influence all the coaches in the country when coming to grassroots football. And then from those experiences, I think uh, we will have a way from the reports of who and what to do at the, just after the World Cup to remake our country for to, so that we qualify for the next World Cup. As I'm saying that uh, Many of the countries who go to the quarterfinals are those who have once uh, uh, hosted in the past, if you can look at it. It's just one or two who will just come in, but mostly Germany is always there, Brazil, uh, Argentina, France, Italy, you know, all those countries who have hosted, they are always in there. So it means there should be a very, very big hard work in the libraries. There must be some way of getting the coaches who have been trained, as Tabo has said, that will need to have a very, very strong workforce when coming to deliver the experiences which we went through. And this, this workforce in all the cities and the corners of the country must have access to getting the reports from the libraries or from the bookshops to buy whatever which they think will help. And the SAFA coaching structures will have to get very much broad into grassroots football, try to develop programs which are uniform so that we try and maintain our being in the World Cups every time. It wasn't a bad start for us when we came back to international football. We've been qualifying for World Cups and hosting it also, it is based on the experiences that we attended. So uh, the National Training Center will have to be in place also whereby from each province maybe we will be having uh, the provincial training centers where players will be going for training on intervals, maybe during school holidays as holiday uh, camps for the selected talent in different provinces. But the national training center has got to be there to take that those exceptionally talented players on continuous training, you know, to ensure that we produce better players for the future.
if I could step in, the fact that so many of the teams that reach the quarterfinals, the latter stages of the World Cup, tend to be the same, with one or two exceptions, uh, particularly in recent years, I think has to do with a lot of what you're saying about how you organize your youth systems. Yeah. I mean, Germany, um, Italy, yes, of course, uh, yeah. France, of course, Brazil, they all have very strong youth, youth systems. systems yeah. uh, is, is, is that... Um, something that South Africa is also looking to model itself uh, after? Um, or is there a, a local solution uh, to this issue? Uh, Tabo wants to step yeah. in. I, I wanted to say that uh, I, I'm, just, I'm just praying that right from the, the government uh, to football leadership, to parents that uh, South Africans, you know, after 1994, I, I, I feel people have focused too much on materialistic things, what, what, what kind of car you're driving, uh, what type of house you're staying in, you know, and that, that has not helped the, the country to grow, you know. So I'm just praying that uh, the, the football government and uh, the political government recognizes the importance of education and the importance of proper structures because you can only educate when you have proper structures yeah. and, and the willingness the willingness to educate people because that is where it starts from so without that uh, presently we have a, the mentality uh, where people are chasing money uh, this World Cup people were told that uh, it will benefit uh, South Africans but in my opinion it has benefited mainly white people who already had businesses and money and a few elite black people. So the masses on the ground has not benefited. Mm. Yeah. Jeff, Pete. Uh, the, the, the building on what Tabo said and what yeah, Conti said as well, you know, obviously players need to be developed holistically. Mm -hmm. You know, young players are not just football labor, they're, they're citizens in the making, mm -hmm. right? Um, how do we find a solution then? How do we create these, these citizen footballers and, and that can improve South African football mm. and also make a contribution to, to a democratic country. Yeah. So as what uh, my colleague uh, have just emphasized, I just want to support what they are saying. And uh, we've got uh, University of Natal and uh, under the leadership of Tabo, they've just already established a project for the kids and uh, those projects need to be supported. And again, we just want to appreciate on what is being done by South African Football Association because they've just uh, sent uh, an educator to come and teach our legions. And our legions now, they are coming to as volunteers to help the coaches. And uh, I think it's very important for us to, to thank even the UKZN uh, uh, University and uh, sports and recreation people like Mutu Maldala for bringing this uh, uh, cause for our legions and because our legions are learning a lot as, it, as we are talking now they are doing a research on how are they going to be involved to help our kids so I'm sure the World Cup will bring uh, a lot of things for us not only the people who are in positions but people who play this game and these people need to come and they assist because we need a lot of coaches and people are going to assist our kids so that you can just bring and get 
the good UT structures. Uh, clearly, partnerships are crucial. I mean, it's not going to yeah. be just Safa. It's not just going to be you as coaches. It's not just going to be a company that sponsors you, right? You need to build these 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 partnerships. But it's very difficult to do that and to sustain them. Yeah. Uh, 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 but, but to, to to add on, on, on what Zaf is saying, uh, I, I'm still arguing that uh, we, we we need the kind of leadership that is going to recognize the importance of education that is going to recognize that uh, for South Africa to grow in football and to grow socially we'll have to utilize all the talent that is available all the human resources including the legends you know so it's not good enough for us to train legends and uh, you go to politicians who control resources so, because they don't have this idea that developing people, plowing money on uh, programs, HIV, AIDS through football. So, literacy, encouraging ch children to learn using football. So, because they don't think that way, maybe they think uh, uh, building a, a stadium, uh, building a building and uh, putting your name there, opened by Tabot Lada on this day and day, it's more important, so we won't get anywhere. We need the willingness, the willingness and uh, the belief that uh, uh, education is important and uh, we must start doing something about it. And education is not only going to school, it's also children have the right to play the sports and uh, this right is not given to poor children in this country. And uh, I think the government, it's about the time that the government and football authorities give children the right, the opportunities to play because it's their right. Yeah, we, we are presently in a project with the, with the legions in Mkungundlov to try and identify uh, the projects which we can deliver through all the departments, governmental departments, health, education, uh, sports, and so on, and even help them to, to campaign with whatever campaigns they have through football. All the awarenesses which we want to bring forward to the people, we want to push them through football. So the legions are in training so that they have the know-how to deliver these programs and also to develop the projects which they want to submit to the specific uh, departments to mobilize football through the campaigns which they are to deliver in different departments. And uh, the Academy of Sports Mkungundo have shown so much interest by coming to the, to the, to the workshop which we are busy, the course which we are busy running in town here in Mkungundo and they've shown so much interest and they mentioned many uh, interests from the government to show partnership, you know, because I think with uh, partnership together, working on these programs, uh, we can see our way and finally we can get our footing right. Government is involved, sports is involved, education is involved, health, academies and the communities from the legion side.
Now, of course, people uh, uh, who know a little bit about African football and, and football in general around the world, soccer, as, as it's called uh, often in this country and, and in America and elsewhere, you know, think about the youth academies in Africa. Those, those centers like uh, uh, Asek Abidjan's uh, uh, academy that have produced so many of the great players we now find in the English Premier League, for instance, uh, as well as in the Spanish Liga and the Italian Serie A and so on. Uh, some of those academies have been created here in South Africa, too. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, for example, of... Uh, School of Excellence. School of Excellence, of course, uh, under under uh, Safa, which uh, some of you were involved with. But also I'm thinking of some unusual initiatives like the Ajax Cape Town mm-hmm. one or yeah. the one that uh, is in Port Elizabeth mm-hmm. uh, involving, I believe, is it Copenhagen? FC yeah, Copenhagen. What's your what's your what's your um, take on the on the academies in South Africa or in general the academies in African football? Is this a type of partnership that you think would benefit the game locally, or is it just a way to export more talent to to Europe? Maybe start with with Zef and go around. Yeah, I think uh, our federation, South African Football Association, are in the post, uh, process of uh, having more school of excellence than having one school of excellence in uh, Gauteng. And the school of ex- excellence in Gauteng produces good players like Steven Pinar. He comes from... And uh, if you are going to have more school of excellence, uh, like we are going to have nine school of excellence, now we've got nine provinces in South Africa. Each and every province is going to have its own school of excellence. I'm sure South are going to have uh, such uh, homework. So it's going to help uh, South Africa to have uh, uh, more more academies. You know, not talking about uh, club academies only. National so ones. National mm. ones. And provincial ones, yeah. For, for, for me, the reality in South Africa is that uh, with the professional football, uh, not every area is covered. So, and uh, consequently, uh, a lot of talent gets lost. So, and I, I think that the best option, you know, a few years back we had what we called centers of training, uh, something similar to what we are doing here at the university where kids, they go to their various schools and in the afternoon they come for training and after training they go back home. So I, I think presently that is what South Africa needs most, you know. So to ensure that as many kids as possible get the opportunity to get good football training and get uh, life skills training and uh, be mentored academically, encouraged academically. So they can also link that to schools. Maybe uh, in South Africa you find that uh, uh, the formerly white uh, schools, you know, so the uh, rugby schools, we still have rugby schools, cricket schools, and I fail to understand why football 20 years later have not uh, initiated uh, such schools where they'll negotiate with the various schools that have uh, better facilities and uh, maybe from grade 8 uh, you uh, get uh, boys and girls good in football to start studying there go to school during the day, coaches come there to train them in the afternoon which will be even more cheaper so that's what we need, because in my respect, with such a program in the 90s, I think we produced more than 20 players who went on to represent 
various teams in this country from under 12 up to Bafana Bafana. We even had one who became a Bafana Bafana captain. We have one who have already played in the Champions League, Bryce Moon, he was in that centre. So the, the academies that you were talking about would be geared towards producing players who play locally, not exporting them abroad. Do, do so, I get so, you right? So, so uh, then those, those who, who, who do well and uh, who can go and uh, get jobs, because uh, football can also be a job, get jobs abroad. So then the best will come to the top. But uh, it will not, we, we should not uh, start academies with the sole intention of sending players abroad because that people tend to focus more on profits than the human being, human being himself or herself, you know. So, and as a result, education gets neglected, uh, good moral values get neglected. And you cannot have a, 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 a good footballer who will play for many years and end up being a, a responsible citizen in his country if good education, good life skills have not been part of this. So if the motive is to send players abroad, then it's about profits. It's not about human beings. Yeah, uh, I visited sometimes a, a compliance document from the FIFA, from the PSL, what I realized is that there is not enough information about regulations when coming to to academies, agents, uh, and that because players, uh, clubs must do also a lot when coming to develop players, and there must be regulations and there must be uniform regulations. Uh, governing all the club academies. We have some development structures who are not uniform, who are not regulated, and the outcomes, the productivity of the players is not quality. You find players going through training over a period of seven years in the same structure, but at the end is not what we think is a world-class comp uh, competent player. So if we can try to set up such structures into our football after the World Cup with the experience that you have seen, I think we'll get a good direction. They say the other tragedy, tragedy of uh, South African football uh, with this World Cup, I see lots of uh, women, uh, top business women in this country, top politicians, so we have a national team for women, Banyana Banyana, but at grassroots nothing is happening. There are so many campaigns about uh, bringing a girl child to work, so etc. etc. We have so many activists, women activists, but I still feel uh, the, the, the government and the top women activists, some of them are even in football themselves, so we have done very little for the girl child in this country. So the, the World Cup, the World Cup, I, I, I doubt, I doubt that our girl child are going to benefit anything from, from this World Cup because nothing, there have been absolutely no programs to promote uh, football. I mean FIFA when they gave the World Cup to South Africa, they said they also wanted the World Cup, the football, to be used 
as a way of life, you know. So African continent, you don't have uh, uh, gyms, uh, top gyms. So where kids, people can go and train. They want that. They believe that Africans they love football. So they should be encouraged from young girls, young boys to old men like myself to be involved in football. And we have not seen those programs. People have been talking about. Profits, 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 and football. Nothing has happened in football. With uh, me, the, 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 the plan with this program that I'm running, so I have a, a component of uh, girls' football, as I once mentioned to you. But because of the resources, <coughs> not just in money, but also in, in time and uh, the willingness for, for, for people to, to participate. So I found it very, very, very difficult to start the program in the first part of the year. Because even for boys themselves, it was a, a huge, 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 huge challenge, you know. So as I said at the beginning, we, we, we need to change the, the mindsets and think people first before profits and the reality in this country presently I don't know whether it's because of uh, many years of suppression the reality we are still focused on, on, on profits more than people so the sooner we change that the better considering the potential that we have yeah I think uh, world football can just help us to leave the legacy behind and uh, the, 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 the school football must be addressed as well as um, uh, the region part of it, you know. So I'm sure that will help, you know, because uh, we need to have league, a national league for the schools. And uh, we mustn't forget the schools because most of the players come from the schools. And uh, that is where we can just uh, get uh, our country to be world recognized. <coughs> So the youth in any nation is the future. So if this World Cup, uh, the legacy that uh, I would love to see this World Cup living is the attitude for South Africans and the African people in all our continent uh, to start uh, realizing the importance of working towards empowering, truly empowering the young people so through creating programs instead of exploiting young people for our own ends so if football we understand and we appreciate that professional football is about profits but uh, we must put measures the legacy if we can put measures to protect our young people and to ensure that they develop to their full capacities so we'll be happy to see that Great. Conte, you get the last word. Yeah, a couple of billions will be left with South after the World Cup. And experiences and everything will be left here, legacies will be left. And I believe that that money which is remaining is not for their pockets, it is to take football to a higher level in, in, for the host country. It will be good if SAFA can they employed a technical director last year, appointed him last year, September. Up to now, he has not been given power to deliver effectively. So now that they have the structures, their structures are okay. It's just that they don't 
give enough money to bring about resources to deliver. If they can forget about that and give them give money to the specific departments which has got to deliver, I think we can succeed in this. So there, uh, there you have it. Uh, if Bafana Bafana want to advance deep into the tournament in 2014 and 2018 and 2022, I think they would do well to, to listen to the advice of um, Conti and Tabo and, uh, and Zef. But also what I like about the way you put it is that you know, it doesn't have to be all about producing professional players. It's also about producing healthy democratic uh, uh, societies and citizens. So thank you all for, for sharing your insights with us. Thank you. Thank you. Africa Past and Present is produced by Matrix, the Center for Humane Arts, Letters, and Social Sciences Online at Michigan State University. Our producer is Scott Pennington. Technical assistance is provided by Alicia Scheel and the Matrix staff. For more information about this and other episodes, and to subscribe to the podcast, you can visit our website at afripod, that's A-F-R-I-P-O-D, dot A-O-D-L dot O-R-G. Africa Past and Present is also available on iTunes and other podcatcher sites. To get in touch with us, send us email at africa.podcast at matrix.msu.edu. Thanks for listening.